My name is Irishika Pankaj and I am the Head of Research and Operations Director for Organization for Research on China and Asia, uh, uh, internal China security focused think tank based out of New Delhi. Uh, I'm Dr. Amrita Jash, uh, currently an assistant professor at Department of Geopolitics and International Relations at Manipal Academy of Higher Education. And uh, I hold a PhD in China Studies uh, from Jawaharlal Nehru University. You're listening to Indo-Pacific Voices, a podcast for regional perspectives on a wide range of topics with one mission to explore the emergent issues facing the Indo-Pacific. We are speaking here uh, today to discuss your recent publication with Jamestown Foundation on China's 2022 defense budget, uh, Behind the Numbers. So um, as we're aware, Beijing's defense budget has long been a critical indicator of the nation's economic growth and perceived security threats. Dr. Josh, what should India take away from the steady increase in China's military budget and how could India respond to the same? Uh, Thank you for the question. Uh, Well, the takeaway lies not just for India, but for uh, the globe at large, uh, especially countries which are in dispute, be it territory or maritime uh, with that of China, that is United States, Japan, India. So when you uh, look at uh, the, uh, the defense budget and precisely 2022 defense budget uh, is significant in many ways uh, because it comes uh, in the continuum of the uh, pandemic. We did see a rise uh, in 2021 as well, which was just immediately after the hit of the pandemic. And 2022 is again, uh, the pandemic glooms large. So the first demarker is that, you know, an increase amidst a situation where the world, the globe at large is hit. And, uh, you know, you see a country that is, uh, that has not compromised in its defense budget. Uh, So this is the first signifier or rather takeaway that, you know, uh, despite an economic clampdown, your military is not compromised. The military is when your military budget is not compromised, it's automatically get translated. The China is not ready to compromise in its intentions or aspirations or rather ambitions. So for India in particular, to take away is that this also comes at a time that you know where uh, our border dispute is not settled, and may, more specifically, the Eastern Ladakh crisis, which still continues, the standoff still continues. So this automatically for India, the translation should be that in China will not compromise when it comes to its core interests. So the India-China border itself it falls in that core interest. And when we talk of military budget, of course, modernization is at the helm of affairs. So China is not, again, going to compromise in its uh, modernization. Plus, China under Xi Jinping is very target-oriented, has become very target-oriented. You see that its military goals are very target-specific. So right now, 2035, that is where China wants to 
become modernized completely completely modernized it needs to fulfill that goal and shifting a base to 2027 uh, at the centenary of the pla itself china said that you know it will uh, it's more of a taking uh, a note of or taking stock of things that the modernization gets completed why i say so because 2020 was deemed to be the year of completion of the mechanization so we are not aware of much aware of what happened but indeed if 2027 has been forwarded it like you know another short term goal added to that modernization program then things are piling up or taking a rapid spin in come when it comes to china so therefore india needs to take a stock of china's modernization program how it is it as we see it it remains unaffected be it the pandemic or now the you know russia ukraine crisis but india on the other end its modernization program does take a jolt because we are uh completely we are mainly dependent on russian arms so there is a dichotomy in our own modernization program so india needs to take a stock of that how do you respond to it the response only lies in upticking your own budget though india stands third largest in uh the military budgets but in terms of modernization is where india needs to take uh you know take things at a much rapid pace when you're countering a country like china right right very very correct and very uh, timely um, observations uh the the notion that uh, china will not budge on its core interests it's something that is certainly pointed out very well um in your in your piece and um in the piece you mentioned the 2027 centennial goal marking the founding of the pla which they have now moved forward uh you know uh, from 2035 to 2027 how does the chinese defense budget show uh, xi jinping's political maneuvers for using the military as a tool to relate to the unification of taiwan and the achievement of other slated goals of the ccp yeah so the as i uh, uh, reflected on the 2027 goal it's a short term goal added to that long term goal of modernization by 2035 it's mainly like a check in the progress uh, so that you know they don't miss out as happened with that of mechanization by 2020 we don't know much about it so they don't want to miss out on the target goal of 2035 and of course that of uh, building a world class military by the mid of the century so it's a very uh, you know a very specific and very calculated approach so 2027 is just an add on in uh, my reading it's more of a check on the progress that there shouldn't be any uh, delay in achieving modernization by 2035 now uh, coming to your questions xi jinping's political maneuvers vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, the pla uh, well it's not just xi jinping uh, it's uh, it has been uh, 
the history of China because the PLA uh, is the party's army. Mm-hmm. So uh, and uh, so it has been uh, like in a, from this very origin that uh, or the identity of PLA is that of being the party's army. But Xi Jinping, the add-on is that that you know there is now a pledge, an add-on pledge that you don't just remain loyal to the party, but you have to remain loyal to Xi Jinping. That's a plus added to the characterization of the PLA. Uh, if you can reiterate on the extension of the question once more, then I can just expand further on that. Right. Uh, so basically, the question is focused on how uh, the defense budget shows his political maneuvers, Xi Jinping's political maneuvers, for using the military to relate to the reu- reunification of Taiwan and the achievement yeah. of, like you mentioned, the longer term goals apart from this short term one. Yeah. So one part of it, yeah, if I uh, link it to, uh, you know, the defense budget, Xi Jinping and uh, Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan is, again, uh, a prestige issue mainly for Xi because, you know, he came up, branded this idea of China dream and uh, rejuvenation of the Chinese nation. So rejuvenation can come only with reunification with Taiwan. And in the recent past, we have seen that, you know, China has also abort from using the the, the very as you know, concept of peaceful reunification, right. which is called reunification now. So whatever goes into the modernization, of course, the ultimate goal of the, you know, uh, the uh, main uh, agenda lies in you or a reunification of Taiwan. So whatever modernization that you aim at, there are there's something that, of course, core interests, any kind of modernization when it relates to China, it's a direct linkage to that of core interest. A core interest, of course, Taiwan, core interest. That's how China, core interest. East China Sea, core interest. The India-China boundary, core interest. So where is where will you see the demonstration of these modernization in all these theaters? It's not just Taiwan alone, but in all these theaters. We are already witnessing it in South China Sea. And uh, because we have seen how it has unfolded from that of building of artificial islands since 2014 till now. So it is well demonstrated that how China's modernization has picked up. So Taiwan is not the only cause. Taiwan is another cause to so many other core interests of China. So any kind of modernization is aimed at these core interests. And Taiwan, why Taiwan makes a difference now is the U.S. factor. Because you know that, you know, if China... Uh, intervenes in Taiwan, there is a U.S. factor that looms large. So yes. you have to build your offense and defense to match your counterpart. So your counterpart is Taiwan plus United States. So that's the you know calculus that you carry. 
right. your modernization is therefore aimed at matching your counterpart and when it comes to uh, us of course it has to have that sophistication to it very interesting classification of uh, the 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 focuses china has uh, the core interests as you rightly said um drawing on this uh, referring to the three trends and the three major dangers that you've mentioned in your article the rationale how is that being used to somewhat justify the growing budget and uh, you know how does china's rising status as an arms exporter have an effect on its power projection capabilities and global military footprint okay going with the first actually the idea of uh, three trends and three dangers is something that i drew from uh, shunchiyanko's uh, article mm-hmm. and where he emphasized on you know the three trends and dangers that china faces but specifically in my reading i actually picked up on the trend factor trend by trend i meant uh, that of uh, the external environment um uh, and the constantly changing international situation and the emerging opportunities and ch- challenges and specifically to deconstruct the 2022 defense budget the trends are far more uh, significant uh, so trends are here in sense uh, you know i saw it in terms of united states pronouncement of the indo pacific strategy why i'm saying so is because of the timing the timing is very important here it comes in march uh, you know china officially announces the budget in march and uh, us pronouncement that takes place in february of the indo pacific strategy that the white house uh releases the document simultaneously we are seeing the russia ukraine uh you know uh, conflict demonstrating uh and finally you see the overarching uh, problems that china faces with its neighbors be it in south china sea the east china sea and south china sea so it was in this aspect that i tried to give uh assess the broad trends which are pushing china uh to go for an uptick or you know upgrade uh or increase or hike in its budget otherwise when you're hit by a pandemic what rationalizes the increase the rationality rise in the threat or the way china assesses the external environment because internal environment is something that is under china's control but it is the external environment which china which is not under china's control but china needs to be prepared what come may so these were my this was my way of assessment when i talked about three the trends in assessment more than the dangers uh, coming back to your next question that is on uh, china exporting arms uh just can you reiterate once more how uh, does china's uh, rising status as an arms exporter have an effect on its power projection capabilities uh well natives uh, has because it is now um the world it ranks fifth as uh, an arms exporter yeah. and uh, what is far more interesting to note is that uh, you know now there are four uh chinese uh, uh arms 
conglomerates which are in the top 20. So which was not even the scene in the last 10 years. And now all of a sudden, four Chinese uh, uh, state-owned enterprises are in that broad game or rather the game of things. So, so far, we just knew it is U.S. or European uh, companies which are leading this game, be it Lockheed Martin or Boeing or the others. Uh, but now there are Chinese uh, entries into it like AVIC or uh, CASIC. These are becoming very, uh, you know, they have changed the notion of the market. Firstly, how do you see the change? The change is now you have an Asian player in the game, a game which was long dominated just by the Western past. So that also talks about China's own modernization, where it has, you know, its rise in the budget has been demonstrated or exemplified in its rapid modernization. And that has led to it becoming or develop or build those capabilities that today it ranks fifth largest arms exporter uh, in the world. So uh, that is indeed a trend that one needs to take stock of. So it itself becomes a power projection because when I'm saying only first Asian country which is so significant in that arms sales market, not as an importer, but rather as an exporter. Right. So it makes a big difference to it. And power projection can also be seen in terms of, you know, whom are you selling the arms? Specifically, it is a concern right. for India because Pakistan, uh, because China's top um, uh, like buyers are Pakistan, Bangladesh, and Myanmar, which all three holds concerns for India. Right. Right. Uh, very interesting insights. Uh, definitely, um, definitely correct in in saying that uh, the power projection remains very focused on seeing not just where it is importing, but also who it is exporting to. Um, keeping the budget in mind, what role can we expect the PLA Navy to play in navigating an increasingly complex and challenging external security environment? If you see uh, the budget, the China shipbuilding has been the, one of the front runners or the, uh, the players in this uh, entire uh, defense industrial base. And uh, China's, after learning, we see is China's already commissioned its second aircraft carrier in 2019, that is Shantung, and the third is in the offing. So right. when you have aircraft carriers, that all itself, uh, you know, exemplifies or uh, tells about your power, your capabilities, and they become the main, uh, say, platforms for your power projection. You have aircraft carrier that demonstrates your power. And right. it also gives you leverage to project your power in international waters. Now we are seeing that, you know, it's more of the land now. The entire domain or the focus is on the maritime zone. And uh, of course, PLA Navy has evolved, has evolved dramatically uh, into becoming 
more relevant in the current times, more right. relevant in terms of fighting uh, the modern warfare. And, you know, China has that uh, ambition to become an expeditionary power. So PLA Navy indeed will be the front runner of China becoming that expeditionary power. And China's modernization program and, you know, the way uh, it is building its uh, PLA Navy, it is going beyond that, you know, just uh, the cause of uh, piracy or others. Otherwise, you know, the recent pact, security pact with Solomon Islands, who will play the role? It is the PLA Navy is going to play a vital role in that. So that tells the entire, or, you know, puts a way to put in, in summation uh, more than like the three other services. Because if you see China's, it's only the land border with India that's not settled. So that comes PLA um, Army. So PLA Navy, that's maximum, the major disputes are in South China Sea, East mm-hmm. China Sea, and now we see Indo-Pacific because China is wanting to gain its presence in Indian Ocean. So PLA Navy definitely is going to have a much bigger role to play in the times to come. Right. Thank you so much, Dr. Josh, for this very insightful connect. Um, I urge everybody to read your publication on Jamestown Foundation. It's uh, truly a very, very knowledgeable read into understanding not just what the budget of China in 2022 is all about, but what the driving force behind it is. Um, I look forward to your future publications. And on a personal note, might I add, I hope for a longer piece by you on your three trends research, because that indeed sounded extremely interesting. And uh, I hope that uh, in the times to come, you would be having a longer piece on that out because it's a very, very unique lens to sort of view China uh, through. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much, Ashwinka. Uh, it's really uh, a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in. Rate this conversation on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. To stay updated, visit our website, ipcircle.org, and follow us on Twitter at ip underscore circle. The opinions expressed in this podcast belong to the speakers and do not represent the organizational views held by either the Council for Strategic and Defense Research or the Center for Policy Research.